Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we're going to pick up the conversation with Dr. Neumeister where we left off. And he is going to share some really important information about the early years where he transitioned from being a student, a graduate student, to being in clinical practice. And that gap between what you learn in school and then what the process is in real clinical care is a big one. And that transition can be very anxiety provoking because our primary focus is on clinical excellence and everything we learned in school and doing everything right and being time efficient and productive and meeting all of the needs of our boss, our providers, our coworkers, and the needs of our patients. And that can be really stressful when you first get out of school. It can create frustration and ultimately can create burnout. Um, and some people are so afraid to just make that transition that I've actually heard of clinicians that actually don't ever get a full-time job when they graduate. They just temp and fill in because of that awkward feeling. So what's so wonderful is that Dr. Neumeister takes the time to share and give us a show a little vulnerability to provide us with a firsthand experience of what he went through in the early years of his career. And it's really great because what I found when I talked with him is that it helped me understand that it's okay, right? And it helps us change our focus a little bit on what's important. We're so focused on doing everything well and doing everything right that we kind of forget what we talked about in the last episode, right? Putting the patient in the center, developing those good communication skills, and really engaging with the patient and listening. We just wanna purge all of the knowledge and understanding that we have onto our patients and show them that we're capable and we end up becoming frustrated and burnt out. So take a listen. I think you will gain quite a bit of a uh, an understanding of the process of going from school to clinical practice. And maybe my hope is that it helps reduce some of your stress that comes out of thinking about that, that space when you get there, when you get to the end of your journey and you've passed all of your board exams and now you have your license and you've accepted a position and you're gonna walk in your first day. What does that look like? What does that feel like? I know I still remember what it felt like and Dr. Neumeister is going to share what his reflection was on his feelings. And I think both of that, all of that information will help you when you go to take that leap to go across that gap between what you learn in school and what you're practicing in private practice. Can you remember your first year practicing? Uh, yes, I can. I can remember some experiences at it. I was, I was an associate in an office in Burlington, Vermont. And uh, it was an office where the dentist uh, left on a long vacation with his family. 
I worked with him for about a week, so I learned procedures. But after that, I was on my own with an experienced <laughs> staff. And I felt, frankly, very insecure. Yeah. Very insecure. Uh, everybody else seemed to know what they were doing. And I was having to sort of think, now this, uh, which one do I first put? I put the, uh, the bonding material in first and I put the, you know, and I'm kind of, because it's the first time I've done it with this kind of equipment, which is not what I used in dental school. Right. First time I've done it with a dental assistant at my side all the time. I didn't have a dental assistant all the time in dental school. Right. Uh, I didn't have anybody with me who, who would open the box, get out the thing, do the shade match. And, and all I had to do was put the restoration in. I had I, in dental school. I did all those things myself. Yes. Uh, now I've got a helper that's smarter than I am. <laughs> I, I was very insecure for, I guess I would say the entire time I was in his practice, which was about uh, eight months through that first fall and winter. I went back to Burlington thinking I wanted to stay in Burlington, which is where I went to undergraduate school at UVM. Uh, but. It turned out I returned to my hometown in Brattleboro that next spring. Uh, so my the the first experience out of dental school, I was I was very cautious. I was very slow. I was very, I mean, I have to say, nervous. I, I don't know. Yeah. If it, I always exhibited that nervousness, but I was I was always doing something and then second guessing it. Is, is this is this is this really what's right? I think it is right. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it this way. Uh, I'm sure I made some mistakes too. Uh, I, I don't remember any specific mistakes, but I, I, I did eventually adopt the feeling that you you learn by, by trying and being humble and apologizing and doing it over if this if the contact wasn't tight enough and there there was food catching between the new restoration on 19 and 20. Uh, I would, you know, I, there wouldn't be any charge. I'd replace it and get a better contact. What, uh, like other things, you you're not perfect. Your your goal is not to be a perfect dentist, but your your goal is to be honest and and do the best you can every time and and apologize and do it over if you need to. And I think I, those are some. I think those are real emotions. I think those are probably the same emotions that our dental hygiene students face when they're going for interviews and taking their first position. I think we all tend to forget because we're perfectionists by nature, right? right. We tend to forget that we're entry level. And, and so some of the stuff that we've covered in, in this podcast episode, it's the listening skills, putting the patient in the center, it's so far from our mind when we first get out there and we're first working with patients. We just want to do everything the way we were taught, the way we, we learned and the way we were evaluated. Yeah. But I love what you said about how if we keep the focus on the relationship building, everything else will, will just fall into place. Yeah. And our time management and our speed and our, our clinical skills, those all come with time. And all along the way, keeping the patient in the center and the relationship building in the center, people are kind to us when they feel loved as well. Yes, <laughs> so are. we need that at the center, especially yes. when we're first starting out. Yeah, you, you've said it very well and your students are very fortunate to have you uh, helping, <clears throat> helping them make that transition. Because- It's a nobody, big step. Yeah, it is. And, and nobody is born the perfect hygienist. 
or the oh man you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a long journey uh i would say i i didn't really feel secure in what i was doing it might have been 10 years it was a long time before yeah. i develop technical skills before I develop listening skills, relationship building skills, and reach the point where patients would, would come back uh, or tell my receptionist, Madeline, they would say, you know, this is a really nice office. I, I think this is the best dental office I've ever been to. I didn't hear that the first year, second year, fourth year, fifth year. Uh, when I surrounded myself with people that understood what I was trying to accomplish, and that's part of it too, is mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with a team of people who also believe that the patient is at the center of what we do and building relationships is what gets to that. Uh, when it became cultural for us that if someone came to the office, for example, uh, and uh, they've lost a loved one, maybe their spouse had, had, had died uh, two months ago, when that happened and I was the dentist, frankly, I went to Madeline, my receptionist, who was the most outgoing person that I had ever met. Uh, and I would say, Madeline, stay with me. The whole time when John comes in, whose wife died two months ago, uh, talk to John. I, I don't know what to say to people at a time Aww. like that. It's very uncomfortable for me. Uh, so Madeline would do that and she would, keep him occupied and uh, uh, was very sensitive to how to speak to someone at that time. And, uh, but so I, we eventually it became cultural that if someone came in in a situation like that, we would, we would say, I'm really sorry about your wife. Uh, very sorry. And if they wanted to talk about it, they would. If they didn't want to talk about it, we didn't talk about it. They just let the patient decide. Uh, and, and if they wanted to talk about their spouse, I could sit there and talk with them for 45 minutes and never do the dental procedure and never charge them anything and just put my hand on their shoulder and say, I'm, I'm really sorry. I can see the relationship you had with your wife and, and then what it meant to you is very, very difficult. And I go to the front desk, there's no charge for the day. Uh, that, that became operational for our office because our, our goal is to continue the relationship and build the relationship. And on that day, the way to do that was just listen to the patient. Yeah. Sometimes we don't get everything done we intended to, but the patient is, remains the center of that visit. They, they're, a, a patient like that doesn't break an appointment, doesn't forget their appointment, right. doesn't come in and say uh, that uh, the, the fees here are too high. They don't yes. say, they don't feel that. They feel like somebody here likes me. I wish I could find a physician that treated me the way you do in this office. I heard that again, three or four times a week, patients would say that in our office. And it, it was that way in our office because our dental assistants believed that, our hygienists, our front desk, everybody culturally understood that if the patient is not happy, we need to do more listening. It's not our, it's not their responsibility to be happy when they come here. It's our responsibility to listen to them, understand where they're coming from when they are here. And that closes the circle. I love that. It's our responsibility really to understand what their needs are so that they leave happy. 
It's, yes. it's not the patient's responsibility to be happy. That's a really good point. That's a really yeah. good point. One of the other things you had shared with me in your email was the unique person time. Yes. With the, uh, with the peace and joy, right? You had written quality of dentistry was not as important as peace and joy. Uh, can you speak to the unique person time? I, I love that. Yes. Um, that developed because there were times at lunchtime where the one of the staff members would say, uh, the appointment this morning uh, was was awkward because the some event that, that they thought they were coming in for one procedure and what was done was something else uh, and they didn't expect that uh, or some other kind of awkwardness developed during that appointment uh, and when they got to the front desk they weren't happy uh, and, the, and the cost ended up being more than what they'd anticipated because they got something else done um, and how, why did that happen? I would get asked. Uh, or maybe they would say they had some restorations placed and their teeth were sensitive. They said they, they couldn't eat anything on that side, hot or cold, for weeks because their teeth were, why, why, why are teeth sensitive when, when you put new restorations in? Uh, so, and so I would be supposed to be the expert and answer the question and I would be talking with one person about that event or what to do next time when that event occurs. Uh, and I said to myself, what we ought to do periodically, maybe once a week, have patients bring a unique patient to the to a table conversation. Why don't we, in fact, put it, make it part of our staff meeting? Once a month, we'll have three staff members bring a unique patient problem to the staff meeting. And as a group, we'll brainstorm how we can respond to that next time and better ways to to, to answer the questions, why are teeth sensitive? Or whatever the question might be. Uh, and, and that, so what, the, what then developed is during the month, people who had a unique patient experience, and again, those are awkward patient moments, mm -hmm. uh, would write it on the bulletin board that Bridget, one of our hygienists, had an awkward moment with this patient. Uh, and they'd have, they would put right on there, it had to do with the procedure, uh, took longer than they, they thought it would, and took longer than I wanted it to take, but it, unavoidably, that's what happened. And how do I explain that to the patient so they're not uh, frustrated when they leave? So I would know in advance, we're gonna have, we've got five unique patient categories up here. Let's take these three for the September staff meeting. So at the meeting, the person who was involved would explain the proceeds, what happened, what the patient said, what happened at the front desk, uh, uh, whatever the situation was. And then we would kind of go around the room. What, what, how do you see that? Suppose that happened to you. Uh, I might be saying to my dental assistant, uh, how would you want to handle that? Well, I'd like to have it fully explained. I can see how it would happen, especially when you're running late on that particular morning because patients came in late. Uh, so you started a few minutes late and then it took longer on top of it. Uh, and, and, but how do, how do we explain that? So it's with, would it be better to have the patient just come back and not even start it? Or, so we would brainstorm solutions. So as a group, we would learn better language. We would learn uh, uh, how to go to the patient's need. We would learn uh, what situations maybe we, we would reduce the fee. Uh, it, 
I, I didn't mind if that was the if that turned out to be the best income, best result. That that's what we did. Uh, yeah. the, the point is that the patient. We need to find a better way for the patient to understand why that happened and how we were doing our best to be helpful. And so, the unique patient is is learning as a group how to be better uh, communicators with our patients. And it became a regular part of our staff meetings. Yeah, that's great. So they were learning opportunities to share yeah. real situations in the practice and how do we grow as a team in the future when this occurs again? And uh, there were a lot of side benefits that I didn't anticipate when we started doing it. Uh, one of them being that the front desk became much more ver uh, understanding of some of the problems you have in the, in what we, the back office, uh, what, yeah. what occurred during a patient visit. Uh, they weren't trained in dentistry, uh, so their experience is kind of learned on the job, but this gave them a chance to hear what was going on in the back and why that occurred. <clears throat> and maybe they, they would, we got a better understanding of what we had to communicate to the patient before they got to the front. So it didn't turn out to be awkward for the receptionist who was uh, naive of what was going on. Maybe uh -huh. if somebody went out and talked to them before the patient came out, so they knew when they when they come here, they're going to be in a hurry because we took longer than we had planned or whatever the moment was. Sometimes that was part of the answer too. Well, give me some warning so I at least know how to handle it when it occurs. Uh, so it, and the other thing, when we had new staff members, like a new dental assistant we're training on the job, she could learn some of the issues that go on in the dental office, some of the language that goes on. Uh, so she got up to speed quicker. Uh, as, yeah. a, as an employee than, than she might have otherwise, because we, we definitely brainstormed solutions as a group. I didn't start the conversation about what is the answer. It was very important that I was not the first one to speak. It's not like the dentist is the, the king answer person in the, in, the, in the operation. I'm just one person here. Uh, we're all, we all have a role in helping to educate that patient. For sure. Well, I think you have uh, a, a, a whole career of learned experiences on really what constitutes a fantastic clinician, a well-run dental office, a, a highly functioning team who puts the patients at the center. Um, and thank you for sharing some of your vulnerable starts, right, as a clinician. I think we all, it's almost like a big gap between your graduation day and your your yes. experienced clinician day. And that is a bumpy gap. Uh, and the thing is, I think that the bravery comes with actually taking that step right in that direction and knowing that you're going to come out on the other end, hopefully a seasoned uh, veteran of the trade, right? Yep. So, And no, I, for, for, for me, who, who enjoyed dentistry for 45 years, I, I still miss the patience and the pace and the, the helpful, the, the sense of, of empowering people, staff members, and helping patients. I miss that. Uh, you don't get that doing anything else. Uh, at least I haven't found it. Uh, but uh, I know how, how warm the experience is when you're 70 and you're thinking of retiring and you don't want to leave, when you have patients coming back who've been coming for 5, 10, 15, 25 years and telling you, I, I hope that the next dental uh, practice that I have to go to when you retire is as nice and as good and as uh, 
as good to me as you have been. I mean, uh, that feeling is, is very, very uh, comforting on a stomach lining level. Yeah. When you're near the end of a dental career. And I've been very fortunate in that regard. Well, and I think when we go in, we anticipate that being our out going out. You know, we hope that we can have an impact on patients in that way. And I yep. think you have provided a lot of tools in order for that to happen for, for a lot of people. So, you know, students coming out. It's an exciting time to be in dentistry. Yes, it's it an is. exciting, you yeah. know, it's there's so much great stuff happening. And uh, we're lucky to have um, people like you who are still willing to uh, invest and share in our next generation. It, it took me a long time to feel that, uh, to understand some of these things, but I feel very fortunate and, and your, your students are very fortunate too, uh, to be in a situation where you're uh, as willing and as energetic in helping them make that transition. Oh, yes. They, well, we have to believe in them before they believe in themselves, you That's know? That's Yep. <laughs> yep. I hope you have enjoyed listening to these two episodes with Dr. Neumeister as much as I did. He took the time to meet with me to share his experience and his knowledge and all of the things that happened to him along the path to building a successful dental office and a really fantastic team of professionals that really had patients at the center of everything that they did. I love that he shared his vulnerability in his early years of becoming an excellent clinician. And I think that gives us an idea of what that looks like for us as students when we are first going out into the field. Know that it's okay to just keep trying. Know where you want to go and what type of clinician you want to become. Continue to strive to be excellent every day. And at the same time, remember all that you have learned while you were enrolled in school. Always keeping your focus with the patient at the center. To be an excellent clinician, you have to continue to improve, to grow, to deepen your skills, to develop your understanding, and be a lifelong learner. Most importantly, you don't ever want to lose sight of your why. What drives you? What legacy do you want to leave? What impact do you want to have on your patients? How do you want others to describe you as a clinician? These are things that keep you moving in the right direction towards your goals to become a clinically excellent dental hygienist. And Dr. Neumeister really gives us some key elements of what that looks like and considerations of what we might do and actions we might take because it takes a village in order to have a comprehensive patient experience. And what he has shared with us is how to do that, how to create a dynamic team, how to work with some of the other providers and the people at the front desk to create a complete experience for every patient that comes into your office so that they listen to you. They are educated on what their needs are. They have a relationship with you and they're committed 
to the excellence that you are there to provide for them. I hope this helps you. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast. Thank you.